Hello, and welcome to Out of My Mind in Costa Rica, where we talk about all things related to post-traumatic stress and complex post-traumatic stress, which means the content in this podcast can be graphic. And if you suffer from PTSD or complex PTSD, keep in mind you could become triggered. Should that happen, stop the podcast and take care of yourself. If you want, you can always come back later. I'm the guinea pig here, and it is my life I examine on Out of My Mind in Costa Rica. It is my hope that my trials and tribulations, successes and failures, will somehow compel you to examine your life and discover your gifts. Socrates said, a life unexamined is a life not worth living. This is a call to action for all of us. As a clinical social worker for more than 25 years, this was my trade, my vocation, and from personal experience, I can tell you, without a doubt, that what you don't know can hurt you. My entire life, I've been compelled to support and encourage people to grow, to boldly look within and courageously examine their lives. Shine your light onto those dark spaces, and the solutions you seek will reveal themselves. Now, please, have a seat, relax, and listen to Out of My Mind in Costa Rica. Hello, and welcome to Out of My Mind in Costa Rica. I'm your host, Ray Erickson. It's February 25th, 2021, and today, I'm taking on codependency, or what could be called the secret life of survivors of complex trauma. It's a deep well. But I'm diving in today, and as always, I approach my podcast from the top of my head and go from there. Let's see what happens. Codependency is a big topic. It's huge. And there have been hundreds, if not thousands, of books written on the subject. Many of them I've read. I have also treated codependency and trained other professionals on the subtle nature of the codependent relationship. It troubles me that I had all of this evidence and all of this experience and I was not able to see it in my own behavior. Well, I guess denial is not just a river in Egypt. It's a real-life perspective. Codependency is me. In a nutshell, I am the codependence codependent. Go ahead, look it up in the dictionary, and there you will find a photo of me. I am that codependent, and it pisses me off. Yes, it does. I am pissed off that for years and through multiple relationships, I would chip off little parts of myself until there was nothing left but a small, broken fragment of the man I should be. How did this happen? It's a long story, but I will try to point to only the highlight reel, and with luck, It will be less than 30 minutes. Codependency. Everyone's heard of it, but very few people actually understand the dynamics and the etiology of this very destructive pattern. I was not supposed to be codependent. I was a professional. I was in private practice. I had my shit together, goddammit. Well, if you believe that, then I, I have a lovely bridge I would love to sell you. The truth be told, I was a mess. But one of those things you need to understand about codependency 
is it just doesn't show up on your doorstep. No, it takes years to develop and maybe even decades to come to full bloom. That's what happened to me. You can trace back my codependency to my infancy. That's right, all the way back to when I was a baby. Babies don't get to choose their parents and the families they were born into. If they could and did choose their families, there would be a lot fewer children because a good proportion of families are, uh, how do I say it? Yeah, okay, they're fucked up. You heard me. My family was fucked up. Your family was probably fucked up. Get over it. That's on them. And you had nothing to do with their fucked upness. You, out of some random process, ended up on their doorstep. On the outside, my family looked good. My father was a hardworking man who rose to the ranks of General Motors, rising from the sweat and toil in the hundred-degree body shop to take it on the role of superintendent of an entire paint department at the very factory he began working. Fisher Body, too. The family was proud of him. The community was proud of him. But he paid a dear price for his pursuit of excellence. Before he retired on a medical disability, he had suffered at least three major heart attacks, and on more than one occasion, his survival was deemed a miracle. I was out of the home by this time, and the problems I began experiencing with my family did not truly begin until one morning I received a phone call from my distraught mother. In this call, she told me of a phone call with my niece, Wendy, who had told my mother of the years of sexual abuse and exploitation at the hands of my older brother, John. The timing of this call could not have been more ironic as I was about to start a new job working for an agency that provided treatment to juvenile sex offenders. Check this irony out. On the day I am to begin working with young men who had committed sex offenses, I get a call from my mother telling me, in so many words, that I grew up in an incest family. Let me repeat that. On the day I began working with young men who had committed sex offenses, I get a call from my mother basically telling me I grew up in an incest family. I'm like, what the fuck? I was a social worker, and I knew what needed to happen if her family was going to heal from this tragedy. But, as I began to drive home my point with my mother, she began to fade away. And by the time she hung up, there was no abuse, and the two girls were all right. She fell into her only safe refuge, and that was to deny any abuse ever occurred. Gone, buttoned up tight, and locked up into her darkness. But I was not one to give up. After all, I just finished my Master of Social Work degree, and if I didn't give up on that, then I certainly wasn't going to give up on my family. This was in 1988, and I was 37 years old. The new job was a huge opportunity, and I was also in love with the love of my life. Life could not have been better. Of course, I immediately entered therapy and began to at least try to put the pieces together. But my family was not going to cooperate. And before long, my father said the last words he would ever say to me in a message on my voicemail. He said, Ray, if you say anything else about this molest crap, 
then I will have nothing to do with you forever. I had enough experience with incest families to know that once you were cut off, you were cut off, and there was no going back. Realizing this, I took some time to write a goodbye letter where I spelled out all my hopes and dreams for us as a family. But I recognized that this is not ever going to be. My family was not what I thought it was, and I needed to part ways. I said goodbye and mailed the letter. I had also sent each of them, my mother, my father, and my two brothers, books to address their specific roles in the abuses of my nieces. And who knows how many other children in the community. John was definitely a predator sex offender, as well as a clear and present danger to the community. I contacted the local police and made an official child abuse report. Nothing ever happened, of course. Anyway, one of those books, the one I sent to my mother, was called Codependent No More by Melody Beatty, the de facto Bible on codependency. Later on, they quite proudly announced to me that all of the books had been donated to the library. Bless their hearts. This fractured the denial that had kept me insulated, not just from the dysfunctional dynamics of my incestuous family, but also spared me the pain and sorrow by having no memory of abuse. Nothing, until much later, after years of psychotherapy and the experience of working with families such as mine, was I able to break through the denial in a significant way. As much as I searched my inner core for signs of the abuse, I found little information there. Over time, Fragments of the picture would slowly expose themselves until I was able to put together a reasonable understanding of what may have occurred. Today is not the day for that discussion, but instead, I want to talk about codependency. Codependency results when you are unable to identify, set, or maintain appropriate limits and boundaries. Healthy people have been raised in an environment where limits were set and boundaries were acknowledged and respected do not become codependent. They know where they end and you begin. If you are listening to Out of My Mind in Costa Rica, then more than likely you did not grow up in such a family. Children in these families are given the opportunity to learn how to set limits for themselves and establish personal boundaries. The family in support of this secure attachment reinforces setting limits and boundaries. Now, what happens in families like yours and mine is it's called enmeshment. And this enmeshment creates family roles, roles such as the hero child, the scapegoat child, the lost child, the mascot child, the peacekeeper child, mommy's confidant, daddy's confidant, and so on. These roles exist in healthy families as well, but the roles are flexible. And each family member could be playing any one of the roles at any given moment. In the dysfunctional and codependent family, these roles are rigid, and each child is assigned unconsciously to a specific role. This is an unconscious process that is responding to the unconscious needs of the family. For instance, 
my older brother was a difficult child to manage, and he became the scapegoat child, which meant he was the child who couldn't do anything right. I was the second born, and somehow I sensed that I needed to be what my parents needed to be. And that was a good boy. So I was assigned the hero child role, the child who could not do anything wrong. And finally, my younger brother, he became a lost child, and mostly he kept to himself and never spoke up. You barely knew he was there. We were all stuck in these roles, and we never played together. We were mutually exclusive, and we had nothing in common, even though we grew up in the same household. Codependency doesn't pop up randomly in families. When incest is a family thing, it usually comes about from previous generations of incest in the family. My work with offenders taught me that the nut does not fall too far from the tree. And when it comes to incest, everybody plays the game, even if they do not know they are playing. I don't know what happened to my parents and their families. They never spoke of their childhood. And I have pondered long hours trying to understand what could have happened to them. How could they allow such atrocities to occur to their children? I will never know. But I do know they created an atmosphere where secrecy and distortion was very effective at keeping this dark family secret. I didn't know my parents. They were the adults in the household. But I didn't know who they were. And my father, who was a man of his word, he never spoke to me again. And my mother died without my awareness. If it weren't for a former classmate, I would have not learned that my older brother John had died. When you get cut off in these families, you are cut off. They really mean business. They cut you off, then they run a smear campaign to dirty your name in order to wash off the stench that's on them. It is really disgusting the way incest families turn on their members. Incest is the deepest and darkest secret a family can keep, and they will go to any lengths to keep the secret safe. In this case, they killed me off, and my eulogy was a nine-page letter from my mother, but I believe the whole family got together and wrote the letter as a group. In this letter, every mistake I had ever made was chronicled, along with a few things I had nothing to do with. It was so painful that I could not finish reading it, but it was clear to me that I needed to exit stage left and get out of this fucked up toxic family system. If I am going to have a chance to survive, much less thrive, I had no choice. So I did. I wrote the letter and said goodbye. That was not the end of it, though. Yeah, sure, I never spoke to my family again, but that doesn't mean I wasn't carrying the disease. I didn't know it, but I was a highly skilled and efficient codependent. I was so good that I could help people resolve the codependent issues in their lives, but not recognize it in myself. That is, not until I realized I had complex post-traumatic stress. When I realized incest was going on, I realized my childhood had to have been much different than I had ever imagined it was. 
How the hell does that happen? Well, dissociation happened. Dissociation saved me from all the memories of abuse, and I thank God for that. I'd rather live in the dark than be tortured for life and afraid of the dark. The earmark of codependency is a lack of boundaries. Codependent people do not recognize where they end and another person begins. The codependent's need runs secondary to the big daddy's needs. That is what my mother called my father, big daddy. And my father called my mother, big mama. Big mama's life was centered around big daddy, who was probably highly narcissistic. I don't know enough about either of my parents to get a clear picture of who they were as people. They took on mythical and idealized identities in my world. Identities actually based upon the 1950s sitcom Leave it to Beaver. This is where I dissociated too. I became kind of a blend of Wally and the Beaver in my family. And this mental refuge saved me from the bone-crushing memories of abuse. I have only a few memories that speak to the madness that I obviously grew up in. One of those memories has to do with my father and a problem with my little brother. We may have been maybe six or seven years old, and we were in our bedroom, and somehow my brother teased me to the point where I began to cry. And when my father, who was downstairs, heard me crying, he stormed up the stairway and into our room with rage in his eyes and shook his giant fist in front of my face while screaming, if you don't stop crying, I'm going to give you something to cry about. Well, the tears literally flowed back up my cheeks and into my tear ducts. No more crying. That was it when it came to crying. And even to this day, I find it extremely difficult to to, to have a genuinely good cry. I'm, and I know how good it feels, so I, I really am still missing out on this part of my life. My mother had plenty of rage as well. Control of the family image was her domain. And she had plenty of opportunity to create a wholesome family image while styling the gray hair of the local town matriarchs. My mother's always busy, which was good news for us. Because if she was busy, then we were free, free to do what pretty much anything we wanted. But every once in a while, we would cross the line with her, and she would fly out of her tiny salon, into the kitchen, go straight for the metal vegetable spoon, you know, the one with holes in it, and begin chasing us around the house. My brother and I, we had mixed feelings of delight and terror but eventually made it to our room where we slid under our beds in an effort to avoid getting hit with the spoon, which left welts in the shape of the holes in the spoon. Later, my brother and I would compare our battle scars. I don't know how often this kind of stuff went on because I was focused on being the good boy. Don't make waves, don't make mistakes, and always, always, always be a good boy. So I was. I was an, an incredibly good boy, and the small town I grew up in was the perfect background to entertain my fantasy of my perfect life in my perfect family in my perfect little town. Does this begin to sound like 1950s television? It should, because that's where I lived in my mind, if not in reality. It really saved me, 
And because of this real fantasy world I lived in, I was able to graduate high school and leave that little town where I went to a big university. This was in 1969, and my mind was about to be blown. I never went back to the family after I discovered university life. I would visit, but I never lived there again. Codependency, codependency, codependency. How does one know when they are codependent? It's not easy, because looking normal is what we do best. We look like the healthy one in the family. We are keeping the family from falling apart or imploding because of the immense gravity of the family secrets. If there are family secrets in your family, then there probably is codependency. If there is abuse of any kind, then there is codependency. And if there is codependency, it is reasonable to believe that there is likely severe dysfunction going on beneath the surface. After all, the Erickson family was beyond reproach, and I was a big part of keeping that mask alive. Look how fucked up my family ended up being. I was born into codependency, and by taking on the hero's role, I was groomed to be the codependent, and as a result of this grooming, I learned that giving myself away and asking for nothing in return was the greatest virtue I could aspire to. Like the perfect hero child, I played football, basketball, and baseball throughout my high school career. These teams became an extension of my family and a perfect venue for me to focus on doing everything I was told. Sports are based on the player's never-dying commitment to the aims of the coach. Tell me what you need me to do, and I will do it. I became codependent because setting limits, establishing boundaries, and speaking up for my needs was not an option. There's obviously a lot more to this story, but that will need to be another time. I don't know if I define codependency adequately, but if you think you may be codependent, then you probably are. You are not alone. We are everywhere. Look to your right. Do you see that person? Well... They're codependent too. Now look to your left. And the person there, are they codependent also? Damn right they are. Codependency is one of the ways the brain operates to keep itself safe. The brain doesn't care about happiness. It is only concerned with safety and survival. That's what the brain does. And codependency is just another state of mind where you put your needs beneath the needs of everyone else. When you have codependency and you finally get fed up with all the bullshit, there's only one person you can fault for it. That person is you. In my case, me. At this moment, I am responsible for my codependency, and nobody else is. For decades, I rationalized my societal role, my training, my efforts to heal as insulation against the reality that I, too, was codependent, and I was pretty darn good at it. I was so good at being co that I could not even see that I was co. That's how codependent I was. In order to shift the tide, I needed to shift my focus. It wasn't my fault it became codependent, but it is my fault if I choose to remain codependent. This is an exceedingly difficult path because if you are born into codependency, it may be next to impossible to see yourself as a problem. Looking at yourself is the only way to shed the armor that codependency has falsely offered you as protection.
It's not protection. It's projection. Codependency is a projection of the earliest lessons that you learned about being safe and sound in what probably was a pretty fucked up place to be. Some of you suffered your way through it while some of you dissociated like me. And still others fought tooth and nail against the system only to be swallowed up and digested. That is what incest families do. They devour the young in order to keep the secrets. Your best bet if you grew up in an incest family is to get out now and don't look back. Your life will heal if you put attention to it. Healing from codependency is a long process and many mistakes and regressions occur along the way. It is critical not attempt to do this healing work on your own. Remember, you have a blind spot and you need the watchful and loving eye of another human to fully comprehend what you are dealing with. I know today's episode is just a drop in the bucket in the lives destroyed by well-intentioned codependent people. So, if you're going to lick this thing, you need to get started right away. I'm here to help you. Well, I guess that's about all I can say for today. Thanks for making through another episode of Out of My Mind in Costa Rica. I really appreciate you coming by and taking in what turned out to be more of a rant than anything else. But sometimes the rant comes on and you just have to go with it. All of this is meant to heal. And if you resonate with what has gone on in my fucked up life, then maybe you will take the next step and courageously go where you have not gone and do a deep dive inside your mind. Trust the process. If anything comes up, it will be for your own good. Because, like I say in my intro, what you don't know can hurt you. So if you don't mind, please take some time to check out the episode description where I share some links to websites that will take today's focus and supersize it to the next level. I'm doing this podcast for you, so let your voice be heard. Write me an email at ray at rayerickson.com. I respect your time and I will get back to you right away. Make a comment or leave a review on those platforms that allow you to do so. If you know anyone who is suffering from PTSD or CPTSD, pass out of my mind in Costa Rica over to them. The more people I reach, the more people I can help. So, until the next time, be courageous, be strong, and be kind. I'll catch you later. Bye.